Welcome back. It's a brand new episode of the 13th Man Podcast. It's Shane, as always. I'm alongside with Frankie. And this episode is brought to you by Doug Flutie Maximum Football 2019. If you guys already haven't checked it out, we have, we've announced our contest and it's picking up steam. So you'll want to get in on it before you're flooded. Um, as always, you know, thank you for listening. Uh, this, you know, we, it's Friday's episode, so we don't have our depth chart. But how are you doing today, Frankie? How, how's your week been? You know, I'm in, an, <laughs> I'm in an unexplicably good mood today, and I really don't know why. Um, so that's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, I've learned not to question it when you're in a good mood, because then I put you in a bad mood. Yeah, we had some laughs before we started recording, so maybe that has something to do with it. But yeah, That's fair. That's fair. A lot goes behind the scenes before you start hearing us talk. But uh, <laughs> You don't want to know. You don't want to know. <laughs> That's, that's for sure. Maybe we should just post everything. Um, I feel like we'll get thrown off of uh, <laughs> Apple and Spotify. <laughs> I don't think so. I think we, we keep things relatively, you know, appropriate. Yeah, I mean, there's a – I don't know if you ever listened to Pat McAfee's show, but we're definitely not that bad. Yeah, there's they're something else. There's some crazy podcasts out there, man. Yeah. Uh, but, you know – we're going to start off this episode with some good, good news uh, reported by uh, Rod Patterson, Peterson, that it sounds like Winnipeg has been selected as a host or a hub city. Don't know if it's going to be for all teams. Don't know if it's even going to happen. But, hey, let us speculate that we're either going to have West in Winnipeg or we're going to have all nine teams in Winnipeg. I would presume it's probably all nine teams because the last I had heard was everything was on the table, and then the Hamilton option was wiped off the table, and then it was Saskatchewan and Winnipeg, and I was convinced it was going to be Saskatchewan, but I guess there's probably just not enough uh, lodging options in Saskatchewan for them. And if it, I mean, if it's really Winnipeg that was selected, I, I think that's probably a pretty solid choice. Uh, you can play at – the University of Manitoba plays at uh, IGF anyway, don't they? Yeah. Yeah, so you might have – potentially some scheduling issues where we see two games in a day kind of thing, maybe. Oh, um, but like if you do one game at like three o'clock and one game at seven or one at one and one at seven. Right. You should be fine. It's not like hockey where you have issues with the ice. If you play four to five games in a day, it's, it's a field. You'll be fine. Yeah. And I mean, I think what really helps is the, uh, the time zone, central time zone. You're generally like two hours, from Vancouver, an hour out of Ontario and, and Quebec, and like an hour or two and a half hours behind Max out east. Yeah. So it's honestly probably the best spot for uh, if we're going to do one hub city. I mean, it kind of sucks for us out east, right? Because there's a lot of people that don't want to stay up until, you know, 11 at night to watch the end of a football game. But, you know, it could have been worse. Like, there's there's games – if they would have picked Vancouver, for example, us out east would have been screwed. You'd be staying up till 10 o'clock every night to watch the start of the game. So, I think that they – you know, in that respect, it's a, it's a pretty all right choice. Like, it's not too, too early for people out west. It's not too, too late for people out east. And, you know, worst case scenario, you just have to record the game and watch it later. But I think at this point, I would just be happy to see football. I don't care if it's happening at 2 in the morning. Yeah, and I mean, I think with everything going on, if 
you know, you have one – and realistically, you have one game ending at seven – or, at, like, starting at one, it'll probably be done no later than four o'clock, depending on if it goes to overtime. You give yourself some buffer to clean up the field. Um, you know, you don't need that three-hour buffer to clean up the field and whatnot. Well, I would, I would assume that you have a three-hour buffer so you can get the other te- two teams out of the stadium, get things sanitized, and get the other two teams in. Well, yeah, that's the thing. Is that, like, you, use that, you wouldn't need that three-hour buffer for everything, but it would definitely be helpful for, right. for everything. Yeah. So, like, you know, you start a game at 1 o'clock Central. It's 2 o'clock here. Uh, you know, 8 o'clock at the latest, which is most games that we have, like, and realistically, you, if it's a Saturday game, you can always start it at 12 o'clock Central and 6 o'clock Central. Yeah. I mean, I, I think with this, you'd probably just scrap the, the Thursday, Friday, and, you know, the Monday game that you have occasionally, and you just go Saturday, Sunday. You play two games Saturday, two games Sunday, and, and that's it. I, I play one game. Like, I mean, honestly, even that, like, Saturday, a Thursday, Friday – Saturday schedule would probably be better. You could where, do that as well. Where you have one game Thursday, one game Saturday, and then you have a double header on Saturday, or one game Thursday, one game Friday, and then a double header on Saturday. I think would probably be the best thing instead of having two like two days of double headers. You would have your Thursday game, then at like seven o'clock Central Time or six o'clock Central Time. Uh, the beauty is that there's no fans at the game, so like it doesn't matter when they start. You know what? To a certain extent. I think the way things are looking in Winnipeg, would you be surprised to see like a a twenty percent capacity crowd? I if it's uh if it if the government allows it, uh if both the federal, provincial, and local health officials are like, you know what, you can have you can have people in the stands but they have to be two seats apart kind of thing. I don't think it would even be that close. Like, the way things are going in Canada, I think that you could probably put, you know, two families, three families in each section. And, you know, even then, you're still getting some money, which is good. And but then you just have to go. To go, that's the thing. Is that, like, would people be willing to risk to go? Probably not. So, like, there's no point in even, at least in my opinion, there's no point in even, like, looking at it. Yeah, I you know – I, I'm of the opinion that any fans would be better than no fans. And I think that's pretty obvious. Um, do I think they could pull it off? You know, I think so. I think there's enough people that would want to go to fill a 20% capacity IGF field. Um, you know, the question then becomes, how do you keep them safe? How do you screen them at the door? Uh, do they have to sign a waiver? I know the NFL is looking at that option right now in states that allow them to have the stadiums open and at full capacity. Um, if that remains the case, you know, if some states are recording more numbers in a day than the entirety of Canada has in like a half a month. So, you know, mm-hmm. that, uh, speaking, speaking of that too, eh, they, they pulled the NHL hub cities out of Vegas. They're both in Canada now. Yeah. Well, you know, Vegas hasn't really been the best place. No, the, uh, I would honestly, at this point, be kind of surprised if the NBA stays in Florida too. Yeah, but where else do you go? You can't go to Toronto now. Where like, can I go? I don't know. You would, you would definitely be looking in Canada. I, I think you have to. Like, I think all these sports are going to end up coming to Canada. It's either you suck it up and deal with it, which it, 
uh, which is what it sounds like will be happening with kind MLS. Kind of a terrible idea. It is a terrible idea, but they're also very greedy and don't care. Yeah. You know, if you know, I was I was making the argument that Ottawa should be a hub city because their uh, their whole, like their arena is isolated. There's nothing around it. That's another problem. There's nothing around it. There's no hotels. There's nothing. You would create such a big bubble. Um, you wouldn't. It wouldn't work. You know, with I mean, th- theoretically, if you're isolating somebody, if you're you could theoretically create two bubbles, and not have these players contact anybody outside of the two bubbles. It's more work, sure, but you could theoretically pull it off. Yeah, but I mean, it also would be a lot harder to do and probably not worth it. Yes. Um. So you know. Hell, if if I, I could see you know the NBA coming up to Ottawa, because you could you could split them up into two separate hubs like hub locations. You could. And I think that's like you could tell, you know, the the East team you're going out in Canada because, you know, you have you have less teams out there. You only have nine instead of thirteen, um, and you can throw the West at Lansdowne. You know, there is enough hotels around Lansdowne, like areas where it would make it easy for for teams to commute to. So, and then you could basically bubble it off where like players can go to Lansdowne and like, so you can, you can go to only select restaurants and whatnot. Yeah. But I highly doubt it's going to happen. No, I I think the only market they would consider doing in Canada is Toronto, but the NHL has already taken that. And you really can't throw two leagues there. You could so, look at Vancouver or Montreal. Mainly. Yeah, I mean, Van- that's the thing with Vancouver. That's why they didn't win. You know, they it was likely going to be Vancouver and Toronto. Because when, when Vancouver's health minister came out, or the, the health minister of BC came out and said that if one person tested positive, they're shutting down the league. That is exactly why they lost the NHL. That's exactly it right there. And had they not said that and they would have said, okay, we can, we can, we can solve this problem and we can isolate this player away from everybody else. And we can ensure that this continues in a safe manner, which is what Toronto and or Ontario and Alberta have done for them. They probably would have won because BC has been, you know, since this out, out, outbreak started, you know, they've been one of the quicker to recover in Canada. I mean, they also attacked – they were one of the first hit, right? Right. And the fact that BC didn't get the hub city was kind of surprising. Not after what their health minister said. No, but I mean, I also understand why the health minister said what she said. Yeah. But still kind of surprising where it was like, okay. And, you know, with that kind of attitude, you're probably not going to get any other league. But, you know, it's just – I think in terms of CFL, it's hub city or nothing. Yeah. Well, that's – the whole reason I brought that up is because – Canadian markets right now offer you a distinct advantage over the American counterpart. Like you don't have to worry about a place where you're getting 10,000 new cases a day. Like that number is astronomical. The entirety of Ontario is getting right now less than 200 cases a day. Have we been hit 10,000 cases total? I'm not sure. Uh, across Canada? In no, a- like Ontario. Cause I thought I saw something on Twitter saying that we haven't even hit a thousand cases in Ontario. Or 10,000 cases in Ontario. Like, we were at, like, just under. We were at, like, 9,000. Active or total? Total. I, I, would, 
I would assume we have, um, but I know for a fact that Florida is getting more COVID cases a day than we are as the entirety of Canada. Yeah, it's ridiculous. So, yeah, like I said, the whole reason I brought up the, the hub cities going to Canada and all that is because Canada offers you a distinct advantage right now. Going to Winnipeg, where in Manitoba, the case numbers are, you know, relatively low. You're not, you know, the epicenter of an outbreak by any means, like a Toronto, which the NHL still chose, which is a little bit interesting and odd, but I digress. Uh, but you need a team in the East, and Toronto's probably your safest bet. Yeah, I think you could have probably picked a better place than Toronto. You know, that was entirely a decision made around the fact that they have hotels for you available for you. Um, the city of Toronto is probably helping them pay for some stuff. Uh, whereas Ottawa there, probably wouldn't like the, isn't there a hotel literally right outside the arena? There's hotels everywhere in Toronto. Like it makes sense. Like you need a You need a team. You need a, you need a city in, in Eastern Canada and out of Montreal, Toronto, and Ottawa, Toronto has the best facilities or the most facilities to make it work. Part, part of it, too, is I would assume that they still have the agreement in place where they have to be in at least a four-star hotel. I believe it's one of the things negotiated yeah. into, the, into the NHL CBA. So a place like Ottawa, I don't know how many of those we have in the city. We have, um, like, I think we have a good amount. We just don't have enough in Canada. Right. Well, you've we got have, the like, Chateau Laurier all the way – out down, I think the probably the Brook Street Hotel is one of the only four star hotels in in Canada. So, yeah, and that's why I'm pretty sure where players stay. Yes, yeah. like I don't know if that's big enough to really house a full. No. Definitely not enough to house twelve full teams plus staff and all that. So you'd need multiple hotels. That's that's why uh, the NBA is doing Disney World. You know, it's, it's more than enough spot for them. Um, but again, this is, this is all logistical stuff that we don't know the, the full length of, and it's certainly, it's not, it's not going to be something that's easy for the CFL to pull off in any way, but to know that they've chosen a hub city, you know, is, is a big step considering a couple of weeks ago, I think it was probably last Friday's episode. You were talking about, um, them probably not making any ground on, uh, uh, a hub city negotiation that may have actually been two weeks ago but either way you know we're not long removed from that episode going out and to see the progress that's been made over those couple of weeks is uh pretty astronomical i mean this is one report and yeah rod peterson is uh pretty reliable a pretty reliable source but like it is only one report uh until things are official it's the same thing with the nhl cities they're not official yep uh, until they're until they're officially announced by the league, uh, are not. Part of that too, though, is just simply because of the fact that they don't. Everything is so rapidly evolving that anything can change within a day. Yeah, so it's, it's hard like, to put things so, set in stone and, right now. Yeah, I 100% agree. It's just like it's one report, as reliable as the person is. It's only one report. So until we, until there's another thing backing it up, if there's you know, actual other reports, like if Justin Dunk were to report, like, you know, report it tomorrow, I would feel confident and be like, okay, there's a strong possibility. Yeah, Just like how I did with the NHL Hub City when, you know, I heard that it was Vancouver and Edmonton off of one person and that it was just constant, like, five, six different 
NHL insiders were like, oh yeah, it's, this is happening. Until that happens, I am going to hold my breath on there being a hub city. Yeah. And at least there being a hub Winnipeg city. As much as I trust Rod Peterson, uh, whatever Justin Dunk says, you might as well take that as the word of God. <laughs> that guy knows what he's talking about. So Yes. But even then, like I, it's just it's all about fact checking, right? If you have one, just because one person's saying it, doesn't mean it's facts. Yeah, uh, it could just be from what he's heard, but from what he's heard, could not be from the right people. So if yep. you have one person saying one thing and then another person comes in and backs it up, good chance that you know, it's it's believable. You know, as much as we say that, I think that this is probably a pretty reliable thing. I think that things have kind of changed a lot in the last couple of days. Um, and like, like you said, who knows? We could see in the coming days that it's actually Saskatchewan. That's the host city. But the fact that we have a hub city, um, reports of a hub city being picked coming out now, Shane, that's absolutely huge to me. We went from talking about the league folding last Friday to talking about we're playing football in September. We've got a hub city picked out. Sure, there's things that worked out, but like even still, the as fact I, that as thick as I am, I'm still gonna kind of be. A, I'm gonna side on the on the side of caution. On yes, this. yeah, because things can change so rapidly, right? For sure. So you all, and there's also okay, cool. We have a hub city, but when are players reporting? You know, uh, can they get uh, the government approval that like you know baseball and the NHL have gotten? Um, when are training camps starting? When is it like there's so much more to it than just a hub city? So, even if they announce a hub city, you know, that can crumble. Like, that, that is like one pillar. It's a, it's a starting block, it's the yeah. starting pillar that you need for everything else. Yeah. Once you get that up, everything else is easy to fix. But if that crumbles, everything else falls down. So, I want to see it get approved. And like announce that hey, this is actually happening, but until it's officially announced by the league, and there's some sort of plan in place with that happening, I'm gonna be cautiously optimistic. Have you seen any players uh, on Twitter recently complaining that they don't know what's going on, like in the last day or two? No, not really. Is that a sign maybe that they've been filled in on something? Or they were told to shut up because they're not making themselves look good? <laughs> maybe. Like that, that to me is probably the most interesting thing. Cause I, like, I was just thinking about that. I haven't seen them, you know, coming out and complaining that they haven't seen anything in the last two days. I, I think the last thing I saw was uh, Tony Washington asking if we were playing or something. One of the players asking if we were playing, I think it was Willie Jefferson was asked if there's going to be ball this year or not. And that was the last thing I heard. Yeah. Well, the, like, the last one I saw was a couple days ago when, uh, uh, Jalen Saunders told a fan that he doesn't think he's going to be coming back to Tim Hortons Field this year to play, but I haven't seen anything since. I, I mean, that that could be, like, even if we were playing, you know, outside of, you know, let's say there was a hub city. Well, that means he's not coming back, right? So there's so, like, that tweet is so underlining that, like, right. you can make any assumption you want. Yeah, but uh, do we want to transition to something even less positive than the point you were making? Depends because, what you're talking about. Um, the uh, the recent release from the government and Lisa McLeod that the CFL 
will probably not be getting joint provincial and, f- and federal government funding. Oh, I mean, I saw that coming from like a mile away. Are and you, are you f- buying that they're not going to get anything at all though? I don't think that I, I think it really depends on if they, they get a hub city or not. I agree. I think, like, I think it's one of those things where it's like, figure it out. And let us know. I think so Why too. Why would you give someone $150 million if they plan on playing? You know, there, there's so much more to it that is just, oh, we need 150 million bucks. I think this is, I think honestly, the situation they're going to get themselves into is they have everything set up. They just can't fund it. I think that at some point, the CFL is going to need government funding help to actually have a hub city plan go forward. Yeah, but it's so much, but if you're a government, why are you just going to give out money without a plan? Sure. If, if sure. the CFL were to be like, okay, look, we have this hub city in, in Winnipeg. Because here, here's the thing, why, if you're having a hub city in Winnipeg, why the hell would the federal government, like the provincial government in Ontario, BC, Edmonton, right. fork out money? Right. If anyone should be forking out money, it should be the provincial government of Manitoba. And the Not, federal government too. Yes, but those are the two parties that should be forking out money. Yes, So I agree. If I'm the Ontario government, obviously I want to help out. But if it's not, if I'm not playing any games this year, why? What's the point? But does the the provincial government of Ontario maybe need to kick back some money to the Red Blacks, Tie Cats, and Argos? No. And the, if, they're not, so? if they're not playing here, why? Well, I think part of it too, though, is you're looking at the the people who work for those organizations that also need to be paid. Yeah, but you can if you're playing in Manitoba. They're the ones who should be forking out the money. You're you're playing in Manitoba, but your business is technically in Ontario. Yes, but if you're not if you're not playing in Ontario, why would the Ontario government give out money for teams not playing in Ontario? Right. I, I get what you're saying, but I'm also talking about like the workers who have to stay home in Ontario that would have you know money taken away from them or potentially be completely laid off. If there's well, I mean, not enough money coming I feel in, like the majority of the people that would have been laid off have been laid off. Right. Cause it would probably yeah. be easier for them to go under like served than it was for anything else. Yes. But so, when the when if the season were to come back in September, if, you know, it's, it's not like a, a regular business where those people are just going to be brought back in right away. There's positions that will be left out in, in the shadows for months. If I'm Premier Doug Ford and you know, you have a plan in place where you're going to play games and because here, well, Ontario is a little bit different, right? Because you also have the 2021 Grey Cup in Hamilton. Yes. So for our Ontario government, it's a little bit different because you have to take that into account. Whatever the plan is, that Grey Cup, you're going to make money back off. You're going to make money off of it. So you do have to make your decision based off of them. So if, they, so if I think it was already reported that Calgary or Saskatchewan would just get the 2022 Grey Cup. Yeah. So with that in the book, you have to consider that as an option. You know, with the 2021 Grey Cup still being held in Hamilton, there is still that like, okay, we we saw the money, we still have that. And but if the if the Manitoba government's like, hey, we'll give you 50 million dollars to do it, and the Federal government's like, okay, we'll give you another fifty million. If you're Ontario, you have to be looking at giving them at least twenty-five, because 
you you have to consider like if if you don't let's say they got a hundred mil and they need that extra fifty mil to get off the ground. How much money are you? How much money are you gonna lose if you don't host the Grey Cup next year? And that's the thing. Same thing with Saskatchewan is that like those like Regina or Saskatchewan, yeah, the the province of Saskatchewan, the province in Ontario have more to lose than any other province in in the country if there is no CFL season past 2020 yeah i i think you're looking at it that way too but i also think that the money to do this isn't necessarily to keep the cfl's pockets lined by any means it's meant so that you can afford to to put up a very expensive hub city model let's let's be real you're putting up players in a hotel to play an eight week season or an eight game season probably that you're looking at nine weeks to, to do that, right? In, in some kind of crazy schedule. So you've got to keep all those players there for at least uh, nine weeks plus training camp plus playoffs. That's expensive. So you've got to keep that there. Can the, the, can the CFL operate at a loss this year? Probably. Probably. They've been doing it for quite a while. Yeah, that's what they say. They've been running at a loss for quite a while, apparently. I mean, at this point, it's just about making what you can out of this season coming back stronger than ever in 2021 and, and doing what, whatever you can do to stay alive. So would it be a good option for the government to, to hand over a little bit of money to help the CFL? Like you're talking about all the provinces that have teams? Probably. Yeah, but I think overall you have Alberta, Quebec, and, and BC. Those three provinces, it, right in the short term, don't lose anything. You know, and considerably, like, compared to what Ontario and Saskatchewan would lose. In turn, because they both have the Grey Cup. They've both been given the Grey Cup. Yes. If the, if, you know, and here's the other thing. Is that, like, would you expect teams, you know, is there a possibility of a deal in place? For the, if, you know, let's say Ontario and Saskatchewan, and Winnipeg fork out money for all this. Why I would be like, hey, I'll give you two hundred mil or twenty five million dollars, but I want to hold over the next five years. So from twenty twenty two to twenty twenty seven, I want to hold three Grey Cups in each city. So I want another one in Hamilton. I want another one, one in Toronto and one in Ottawa. That's my condition. Done. Like done in a second if I'm if I'm the CFL. What's going to hurt Alberta, BC, and Quebec? Because if I'm if I'm if I'm Doug Ford, that's my condition. If I if I'm the the premier of Saskatchewan, if I'm the premier of him of Winnipeg, cool. Oh, Manitoba. Manitoba, yeah, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) I did pass geography barely. (laughs) Um, but. You know, if you're the premier of those three provinces, you know, if the if the government, if the federal government's like, okay, we'll give you fifty million, you need a hundred more, or let's say they let's say seventy five, well, yeah, because what quarter of a hundred? They give you a quarter of a hundred, like hundred twenty five million. If I'm those other three provinces, I'll make up the other three quarters, but I want guaranteed over the next seven years, I want guaranteed Grey Cups. I think that's something that we could legitimately see. Like, and unfortunately, sorry, Cal, like, 
so if that's the play, if that's the plan, you're not seeing a great cup outside of those three provinces potentially by 2022, 2028. So then we have a bidding war if those provinces really want it. And then the other thing you can do is go like, you can't, cause you can't take that offer or deal, whatever you want to call it and go to other provinces and be like, Hey, this is what they want for the money. You can't do that. You can't go around and try to pry money from other provinces. You take whatever they're offering. Sure. And if that means if I, if I'm Randy Ambrosi, if that means giving like Ottawa 2023 and uh, Toronto 2025 with 2022 and 2024 or 2022 in Saskatchewan, 2024 in Winnipeg, 2026 in Saskatchewan, and then 2027 in Winnipeg. Well, guess what? That's where I'm going. Those that, numbers can, those, that is literally the list of great cups that I'm doing. That was the most confusing thing you've ever said, but I agree with it. Um, you know, <laughs> is it like, think about it too. Like you're, you're talking about cities that should be hosting the great cup. You know, Saskatchewan is going to sell out that game. 100%. You already know. You will have a hard time adding temporary stands to that stadium to fit enough people to get that game to a point where you won't sell it out. Winnipeg will sell it out. Ottawa has already sold one out. They can add more temporary stands. uh, Toronto would sell one out. Toronto was a great location for it because people will go to Toronto. Yeah, people from Ottawa, Hamilton. You would have people from Montreal. Like People will go to Toronto for a great cup. And, you know, Hamilton, we haven't seen what Hamilton can do for a great cup in a while, but I guarantee you that game will be sold out. Yeah, I don't care. I've already already told I want to go to that game. Yep, me too. I'll take the weekend off. I'm going down to that game. Me too. I want to go to Tim Hortons Field. That is a game I want to go to. For sure. And I think, you know, I think that's the best way to go. If, if 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 I'm, you know, Premier Doug Ford, especially in Ontario, um, Sorry that we don't know who the other premiers are. We only live in Ontario. We only really focus on Ontario. And there's also three teams in Ontario. So more important. Um, but if, you know, the three teams in Ontario, I'm looking at, like, if I'm Doug Ford, I'm looking at a cash cut. Because that's three times, including 2021, that's four times in seven years, six years, that you're going to hold a major event in your province. And let's say, you know, okay, you have to fork out the 25 mil. You know, you'll probably make it up in, and you probably have to fork out another, what, 5, 10 mil? Like, you'll have to fork out money for each great cup. But are you still going to, like, you're going to make more back than what you would have given up anyways. Assuming that COVID is under control. And I know 2023 or whatever we're talking about, this shouldn't be an issue. This should have been figured out long before then. Um, but assuming that, you know, everybody's traveling like they used to be and everybody's packing buildings like they used to be, shouldn't be an issue too much. No. And I think like, that's the thing is that if I'm, if I'm Doug Ford, I'm, I'm on the phone with Randy Ambrosi and Justin Trudeau and be like, Hey, we'll give you the money. We'll give you the 25 mil, but we want guaranteed outside of next year's great cup, three more, one in each city. Like, even if you tell them you want half of the, over the next 10 years, you want five out of 10 years. I think that's pretty reasonable too. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think whatever. Unfortunately, Randy Ambrosi can't be a beggar. Like a beggar can't be a chooser. And Randy Ambrosi, unfortunately, right now in the league is a beggar. Are you going to reward BC with a great cup right now? No. No. Absolutely why I, not. Why would I reward any province with a great cup if they're not willing to fork out the money for it? 
But would you reward their owner with a great cup right now? God, no. Hell no. He needs – like, that, that, that team needs yes, to be sold. I'm not giving him anything. Alberta deserve a great cup. Not going to lie. Right. But I think they're the ones who hurt the most. But even then – If their if they're province, if their they're premier isn't willing to fork out the money, you know, sorry, sucks to suck, but that's the cost of doing business. And if you're not willing to put money into the, uh, to the league, why would we give you a, a, our biggest event of the year, which would put – Masses amount of money in your pocket. Why would we do that? One last point before we move on to what's going on in one of the youth sport leagues. Um, you know, even even if Alberta doesn't get a great cup, and you're talking about having, you know, even three of the next ten great cups in uh, Manitoba and Saskatchewan, it's still not too far away. No, I mean, they're relatively centralized, so, like, people are willing to fly out. I mean, like, at this point, if you're bidding for Grey Cups this, this early on, it's a situation the CFL doesn't want to be in, but if, if they have to take advantage of this like that, that's something they can certainly do. That, that's your, your reward. You give us some money, we'll give you some Grey Cups. Beggars can't be choosers. If a, yep. gover- if, a, if a premier is offering you money to help the season and all they want is a couple of Grey Cups over a 10-year span, you shut up and agree to it. Yep, absolutely. Like, it's not like, like it, you're not showing a sign of weakness if you do it. You, it's smart business. They're offering you a help. It's not like they're telling you that they want like ten percent back every year, or whatever. Who knows? Maybe Atlantic Canada comes up and says, "Here's fifty million dollars. We'll pay for your some of your uh, your hub city stuff. We want a franchise." Next year, we can I mean, only dream, man. <laughs> we can only problem. dream. Well, no, I mean, I think this, like, the CFL wants to be out east. Yep. From what I've been able to find, I might be wrong, it's the counselors and the, like, the officials out east that are putting everything in its name. It's the same thing that dealt with all, in Ottawa where it was all about the arena. It was all about the stadium. Yep. If they can build a stadium, the team will go. Without a stadium, you can't play. My understanding is why they don't go to a university stadium like they've done in the past, like they've done at Touchdown Atlantic. Why yeah. do you need a brand new stadium when if you have something that works? I mean, it's just a little bit small, but Montreal well, plays at a McGill University. Right. That's still a 24,000 seat stadium. The one they have out in Atlantic Canada is like 10,000. Is it? Because, like, yeah, it's really small. Well, which one are they going to play out at this one? Uh, the one, I don't know what it's called exactly, but where they were going to host the, uh, touchdown Atlantic game is 10,000 and they were going to add like 10,000 temporary seats or something, which realistically is not a great option when it comes to playing a full schedule. Um, but I don't know. Atlantic Canada would be fantastic. We, we can go on and on about this point later, but let's transition a little bit into what's going on with one of the U sport leagues really quickly. Um, and it's out of Quebec. Uh, the latest from the RSEQ is that they are still hoping to have a local season contained inside of Quebec. Um, there are no plans for a set deadline, but they said that they will not cancel the season unless public health says it has to, which 
I think is really interesting because the entire rest of U-Sport has canceled their season. I mean, I'm not surprised. Neither am I. But it's, in, it's interesting. Uh, it's Quebec, and Quebec just doesn't care about anything. Um, yeah. But, and I don't want to disrespect our, our Quebec listeners. Um, our no, Owls Quebec fans are, it's not even the Quebec listeners. It's the Quebec yeah. government. They don't care. Well, they opened up schools with, like, two weeks to go for class. And, you know, you just, you just had to ask yourself, like, what's the point? I mean – the the one thing I think though, if the R the RSEQ plays this year, how big of an advantage do those players have in the draft over the rest of U Sport? None. You don't think so? The RSEQ isn't that competitive. The most competitive team out of it is Laval and Montreal, and realistically, Laval should run all over it. It's not a competitive league. It's it's the way it's set up. Both Laval and Montreal are ridiculously good because they start recruiting at like 10 years old. But if, if, so let's say an offensive lineman on one of the lesser known teams has a really good year and I'm not an expert on any of you sport by any means. So I'm not going to be putting any names into this, but if somebody on uh, like a Laval has a really, really good year and there's somebody on the dinos that a team has been looking at for the whole time. And he was supposed to go first overall. Again, I don't know any of the names, so I don't know what any of this, uh, if there's any guy in the dinos that's going first overall or anything, but if the guy on Laval has a really, really good year and the guy in Calgary doesn't play at all, I think that teams are probably going to, you know, pass on him and they're going to look to the guys out of the RSEQ to, um, you know, look, look there to draft in the first round, as opposed to the guys who haven't played football in a year. Most of these guys are have are probably fourth year players. Are heading into their fourth year. Yep. So you have three years worth of tape. And if a guy who's going first overall has probably been a day one starter since he's gone into or has been a starter since his uh, sophomore year. He's not a, like he's not entering his senior starter. Like these guys have been, you know, they've played. They have tape on them. You don't need a, like, you really don't need a year of inadequate play because there's five teams in, in the RSEQ. Um, only two of them had an above 500 record, and that was Laval and Montreal. Right, but so you don't necessarily me, need to be a good team that, to be a good player. Yeah, but you're going to tell me that a guy on Laval, if it's a guy on Sherbrooke, Concordia, or McGill, okay, I can, I give you the benefit of the doubt uh, going against guys like Montreal and Laval. But if it's a guy, a, a guy on Laval or, or Montreal, I don't care about this year. Let me see what you've done in previous years. So, you don't like – I think part of it too, though, is the fact that you'll have not necessarily more tape but more updated tape on the guys out of the RSEQ? See, I just I think comparing them to guys in Canada West who only play again, they play they play six there's six teams in instead of instead of five. But the real ones is you know is OUA. OUA dominates the draft every year because there's eleven schools. Yeah. I don't think that's gonna change. Maybe we'll have to get uh, Dakota and Zach in to talk to us again, or maybe some RSEQ expert 
to to come in and talk to us because I, I, I think this this story is really interesting. I think there could be many, many layers to this. But I just I don't see it being as beneficial or as impactful on the draft or on players draft pro, like draft rankings if they don't play. Does it have an impact on their readiness to come play in the CFL right away? Because I, I think that's a place where we could see an impact. I don't know. I mean, I think it should benefit them. One, one last year of tear on, wear and tear on their body, you get to refresh, stay in shape. You get to go to camp at probably – in probably some of the best shape of your life. Probably ex- – I would expect if they don't actually end up playing a season in the CFL this year, probably an expanded camp. I mean, I can definitely see it, uh, an expanded camp. You'll probably also see probably some, like, more off-season stuff than you would normally. You would see more combines. You would see more. You would also probably see um, an earlier, maybe an early, even an earlier draft. Sure. Maybe even an earlier start of the season. I don't know an earlier start of the season, but like definitely an er an earlier draft. Um, If there is no season for, I don't see an issue of having a July or an April 1st draft. <laughs> that way you can call your first overall pick April Fools. The draft is really tomorrow. Like you, you really know the players that are going in the NFL. Yes. You know you have you know who who's on your mind. Um, actually, one thing about this is that we've seen it. Uh, a guy in Guelph uh, just ended up going to Ole Miss because there's no no university season. Yeah. Well, and that's going to be a big thing. But that's the other thing too. Like, could could we see players from the OUA or Can West head to the RSEQ because they want to play this year? I don't think so. I don't think I don't know if rules would allow it. I know you can transfer down south, but I don't think you'd be able to transfer to RSEQ. And what happens to those players that are on RSEQ teams that are being bumped? Like, that, that's it. That that's that's the the football life cycle. It's not always fair. That's part of the problem, right? I don't know. I just, I feel like it would also put RSCQ schools or, because I don't think we've heard anything about AUS either. Well, everything in U-Sport is canceled except for RSCQ, to my knowledge. Because like AUS is, if Atlantic Canada is still part of it, that'd be crazy. Yeah. Yeah, I think think the Quebec League is the only thing still going. I'm not surprised. As far as U-Sport goes, neither am I. But it's it, it's an odd situation. Like it's it feels so weird. So what are they going to gonna play for? You know, they they don't actually have like a playoff champ. They don't have a regular playoffs. New sports playoffs aren't like aren't regular. It's weird. I would assume that they would bend things and change things a little bit so they can play for a conference champion. Probably, but and like, that's what you got. Or you play for a season champ, and there it is. Maybe. I don't know. Basically, just give the trophy to Laval. Like, I would like to see them play football. I'd like to see the best football possible. Okay. Why? They're not going to be on TV. Sportsnet doesn't give a crap about them. Could they be, though, if there's nothing else going on? Sports, I'm pretty sure, has the, the rights to it. Yeah. But I just – I don't know. I, I'm not holding my breath for anything anymore. Neither I am I. I mean, to, like, to be fair, though, I mean, we got some big news out of this – well, not necessarily big news, big reports uh, – out of the CFL, which are getting me pretty excited, but also cautiously optimistic. Um, you know, the, the government stuff, you know, we had some good conversation about that. 
and obviously the RSEQ still wants to play. Uh, so Shane, what do you what do you think our secret code word to enter into our giveaway should be this episode? You came up with a terrible one that I hated last episode. Oh, what roast the Calgary? That was yeah. fantastic. No, I hate you for that. <laughs> Maybe I'll just get a Calgary jersey. No, but put, put, put rose. No, doing no. it, do, do it in Adidas one too, just to piss you off. Hey, Rose, if you want to just quickly uh, resign in Ottawa, uh, I think we would all really appreciate it. Yeah, please. But like, anyways, uh, the code word uh, for this episode is CFL to Winnipeg. Okay. Those are the theme of the episode, talking about a hub city. Uh, so this code word for today's episode is CFL to Winnipeg. Uh, send us a DM on Twitter uh, to be entered. Obviously, check out our Twitter for the contest details because you do get an extra entry if you know you did give us the um, give us the right answer. Only two people did it for last episode, so you know definitely use it. The last one, which was lemon to uh, Calgary and Rose to Calgary. There was only two. This one, there's only one. Sorry, guys. Um, are no longer valid. So if you are sending those in, we will not be accepting them. But yeah, Winnipeg, uh, CFL to Winnipeg will be is our secret extra bonus, extra entry bonus word of the episode. Um, yeah, yeah the, the contest has gone off ridiculously well. Other big news that we have to share with you guys. Uh, Shane and I have recently uh, created a website where we are going to be publishing some CFL content. Our podcast can be found there if you would like to listen to it in the web browser. Uh, you can find us at 13thmanpodcast.com. We've recently brought on somebody to write Hamilton Tiger Cats for us, which we're really excited about. Uh, you'll see some... Yeah, you'll see an article from Debbie going up soon about the Tiger Cats. Uh, so we're excited about that. To be fair, if you do want to, we aren't limiting it to one writer per team. Yep. So if you are interested in being a writer, if you haven't done it before and you want to take a dab at it, uh, you can send us an application, basically either work you've previously done or a, fi a minimum of 500 word article about the team you want to follow to the 13th Man podcast. Uh, at outlook.com uh, not, not not necessarily a minimum of 500 like don't don't crunch in extra garbage to get the 500 words you know uh try, try to push for 500 words yeah get as get as close as you can if you go yeah, over it's whatever each word but definitely try to get as close to 500 words we don't want uh we don't need like 250 300 word articles um ideally if you're gonna write about what made you a fan of the league and the team that you're wanting to follow. There you go. Um, that's what Debbie's story is really like her articles about an introduction article to her. I actually really um, like it too. I'm a big fan really of that article. Um, so guys, definitely you'll find that all information out on our Twitter at 13th man pod, but definitely if you're interested, do it up. You can tell us about your experience. That's what we want. That's what we want to learn about you. Um, for myself, you can find me at Shannon underscore Ryan 97. For Frankie, it's at 613 Frankie, and we will be back on Tuesday with a CFL a new Tuesday series, uh, the CFL depth charts. We are taking over and looking at the Edmonton Eskimos, so you don't want to miss that one because that's an interesting team. Uh, I think there'll be some shockers on that one. 
But <laughs> Shockers? I, I think people know where I stand with some of the players on that team. <laughs> mainly their quarterback. <laughs> um, Sorry, Trevor. Thank you again for listening. Thank you, for, uh, thank you, Doug Flutie, Maximum Football, for sponsoring the podcast. I hope you guys have a wonderful one. We will see you back here on Tuesday morning at 10 o'clock Eastern. Have a wonderful weekend, guys. Bye.